Hey everyone, let me ask you a quick question. Are you creating too much content without actually having a plan to get that in front of your audience? Well, this episode is brought to you by Content Repurposing Roadmap. This is my flagship course where I take you step-by-step -step through my content repurposing strategy. You'll get proven systems, real-life examples, and fill-in-the-blank templates to help you get started. If you want to get more out of every piece of content you're creating, you can enroll for this course at contentrepurposingroadmap.com. Hey everybody, before we get started, I want to thank my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. You can get unlimited podcast editing and strategy for one flat rate by visiting hatch.fm. All right, let's get in the show. Welcome to Distribution First, the show where we flip content marketing on its head and focus on what happens after you hit publish. Each week I share playbooks, motivations, stories, and strategies to help you repurpose and distribute your content because you deserve to get the most out of everything you create. Super pumped to have Sam Keenly on the show from Loxo, formerly over there at Refine Labs before that, I believe. I don't think there was anything in between, but let me know if there was. Um, super excited. So every once in a while, I know the show's for content marketers, content marketer in my heart, but I love getting VPs of marketing and other execs on the show as well from time to time so that everybody can sort of learn what a VP is thinking about content. How can we level up as content marketers? How can we think about the things we're doing from a distribution side as we're building out content strategies, all that good stuff with it goes uh, as far as content. And Sam has got tons of insight on that. So Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah. You know, spreadsheets might be my love language, but content <laughs> is absolutely my mistress. I, I love getting into content <laughs> stuff. That's the fun side of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully we can bring the fun. I, yeah. Oh man. Spreadsheets, dude. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that's your favorite because I don't want to look at a spreadsheet uh, ever in my life. So uh, that's why they, uh, you know, they make different things for different folks. So yes, exactly. <laughs> but today we're going on mistress side. We're going on the fun side. We're going to talk about content. In particular with the content, I think one of the things that's coming up and as we were talking for content marketers, it feels like the world is shifting for a lot of marketers. The world's shifting for a lot of content marketers going from this very, which you're well aware of, this very attributable, performance-based, how can I prove that what you created over here lines up directly nice and neatly with this thing over here? And it's wild because more and more content folks that I talk to, that's still the norm. That's still how they're judged on. That's still how they, you know, like these very short term, like we want to build this great brand, but also wear my MQ, you know, like that whole world. So I'm kind of just curious to, before we get into anything deeper, like what have you seen? What are you seeing now? And, and kind of what's your take on where we're kind of like content marketing, all that stuff is at right now? Uh, you have the handcuffs of everything needs to have value, prove what you're doing, or it's not worthy, but you're clashing so hard with common sense of, but I, I know I don't do this. I know my peers don't do this. I can't remember the last time I read that ebook after I saw the form, like, I know what happens. I'm going to get hit up by BDRs. I'm going to get hit up. And I don't want to be part of that newsletter that is not relevant to me. Like, you know, the cascading effects. So you have these content marketers that are being told, create content but it's not being consumed like it used to be because of these goals, which I won't even say they're goals anymore. Honestly, they're indicators that have so far gone off the tracks that aren't even 
relevant to most companies anymore. And that's where it's hard. And I say philosophical alignment as a content marketer is more important than anything. If you're looking at the organization that you're joining is what does my VP's approach? What is my CMO's approach? What's the executive, like the CEO's approach? How do they look at the market? How are they engaging with it? Because you can tell kind of it's like the Dave Gerhardt, ver- like who gets it, who doesn't, you know, it's, it's that same kind of concept. And you can choose the game you play if you look at it intelligent. Like if you're looking for a job or looking for your next thing, I would keep that in the back of your mind. Man, that's some sage advice right there because it, it's true. And I, I, this was something I remember um, hearing probably two or three years ago before I even made my, my jump when I went to metadata was like the amount of effort that you would even have to potentially do to shift your CEO's mind or your leadership's mind around that thing is so great. And there's so much force against you, the one person trying to do that, that it just, it almost just doesn't make sense. Like it, it doesn't make sense for you to spend all this energy and then you get burnout and you get, you know, you start hating your job, you start hating the work because you can't make the traction you want to do. Yeah. And that's the beauty of remote work is now it's like, you used to be constrained. Hopefully lives in a big city where you had options, but before yeah, I lived in Charleston. It's like, you want to work for a software company of 10 options. Go have fun. It's like, okay, well, I'll, I guess I'll pick from one of these 10 versus now. It's like, you can go choose what leadership team do I want to work for? And you have so many better options ahead of you. That's a great point. That's a great point. That really did shift things. And obviously the pendulum of the great resignation and all that has, has since shifted back where, uh, you know, SAS is, has bit back a little bit in the past year. Yeah, yeah. Thank VC funding for that one. Uh, yeah. yeah, no doubt. So you know, it all kind of equals out. And and that's a, I mean, you know, not to make everything rosy, like that's reality too, right? Like I experienced this where I moved to a company, everybody got it, but then people got laid off or, you know, I have friends, the same thing, like moved, moved to a company and then everybody got laid, you know, got laid off, no clashing of strategy or ideas. It was just, you know, the money's not there. So always keep that in mind. Uh, <laughs> I'll say that before you just go whole hog and go cruise into a new company. But I do think like philosophically, when you're looking, even at your company, there are ways to, even in small ways, to be able to shift some of the things you're doing. And for me, one of the things I always love doing is just baselining what's going on. So often, regardless of function, it's easy to fall into the trap of just doing what we've always done and then more stuff comes in. So we just keep doing what we've always done because there's no room to change what we've always been doing because there's all these new requests coming in and we know it's not working but it's funny like now that i consult with all these different companies i'm like oh okay it's not it wasn't just the companies i worked at (laughs) it wasn't you know it wasn't just me it's just a thing that happens i'm curious from your end like a how do you kind of fight against that like you know in the dream scenario you've got alignment but how do you like pick up small wins how do you pick up these like figuring out how to start to change a narrative potentially. It starts at the top because at the end of the day, it's like you have, if your execs aren't happy with it, they're telling you what to do. If your head of marketing doesn't get it, I mean, aside from, let's just pretend that you're stuck at this organization. Like you have to figure it out there for the scenario's purpose. One of my favorite exercises that I used to do at Refine all the time was we would have a couple stakeholders who were fully bought in. You know, they wanted to run the demand gen experience. They got it. The, The common sense part of them was winning out, right? But there may have been, CFO who didn't quite get it ahead of sales who was like, I don't know about that or some lingering marketing person on the team that we had to had to convince. So my favorite exercise was I would take them through what I called experience questions. And it was basically, all right, we're sitting down face to face, Zoom to Zoom, whatever you want to call it. I go, take your marketer hat off, take your executive hat off and tell me about the last purchases that you helped make. 
how did you go about them? And so they usually start to go down that path. Well, you know, one of my peers told me about it, heard this on a podcast, saw a video, my buddy Jim over there mentioned XYZ to me. And they start going through all these. And before you say anything about like, I'm not catching anything, then I'll talk, I'll just kind of like, you know, come in with the left hook and go, you know, what about that last ebook webinar event you attended? How'd that go? I haven't had one. Or were you bombarded by BDR and sales calls after? What about marketing emails? More like, how'd that make you feel? Did you purchase from them? And then they're they're clicking. It's it's coming along at that point. So the final, like, you know, you've done jab, jab, here comes the uppercut. It's like, okay, what experiences have you enjoyed being part of the most? What did they do differently in terms of getting started working with them? It's all connected at this point. And usually it's really helping to set the stage for it's like, that's what we want to do. You have to be helpful first. It's not this like transactional thing anymore. So you just have to get them out of their business. Everything is a funnel mindset and just go to that common sense experience side and say, let's go through that for you. And that's going to get them uprooted enough from this mentality that they have to be like, okay, you know, maybe you are right a little bit there. And that'll get you the room to just say like, I just want to experiment. We don't have to switch full bore on it yet. Like, let's just try some things out and see what that impact is for us. That's awesome. I literally just had that conversation this morning with somebody where it was like, because the other reality is change is scary <laughs> when you, especially when you're thinking about like a massive strategic change. And in some cases, the entire org has been built around particular things and how certain systems are done. So like when you go in there, because, and I'm sure this is just kind of how the, the way you think it's the way I think too. And it's like, you're just going to go in there ruffling some feathers and, cha- you know, change some stuff. It's a little bit like, like, I like that idea, but it, you know, it's a little scary. So I love the idea. I always call them pilots. Like I want to run pilots. I want to run like little small experimentations, even like super micro versions of like, what can we start testing on social? What can we start testing in email? Like, what are the things that are low weight? It's not like this heavy lift to like, we're going to change everything we do. No, you can go in there and just change a couple things here and there and get information to then be able to bring back and start to pull those things. I love the idea of having those real life conversations though. That's hard to do. I think sometimes in the business context, depending on the relationship with the people, but man, yeah, to have that conversation of like, when you bought X software, when you bought X, when you bought anything, you know, why did you buy that? What made, what made you tip over the edge? And it's, you know, it's almost always like you said, somebody mentioned it, a friend, or they love the content that they got. They got so much value. They, I, well, you know, I've just, I've been following so-and-so and they, you know, <laughs> those are the things that happen. You know, it's, it adds up over time. And I think that's the, that's really that long-term approach. And I, I think that maybe is the the toughest thing for folks is how do we supplant the short-term mindset into a long-term approach? How can we even begin there? That's a million dollar question. Um, I can tell you what I personally did was I went to a bootstrap company instead of VC because I said, you know, we're in it for the long haul. Um, you know, we're not looking hey, at Hey, I started my own thing. So uh, I feel There's you. something to it. It's, it is a different mindset. I will say when it's, we have to do this by this quarter or we're going to run out of runway or we're not going to get our next round versus like, what if we just build something really great and we know it's going to take time, we're going to learn, but we're also going to do it efficiently. Because that's the other thing I noticed working with so many VC-backed companies. It was, everyone's heard like, grow at all costs, blah, blah, blah. But there is that aspect where it's like, we don't care how inefficient it is. We need to get this many customers. Whereas when it's bootstrap, it's like, well, we want the right customers because we're going to have to deal with them after. We want that retained revenue. We also need to do it efficiently because we can't be upside down for four years until we make profit in year five and our contracts are structured for 12 months. Like (laughs) there's a lot of hoping and praying that goes into that. So, I mean, that's, as I say, (laughs) perfect world scenario. That's what you would do, right? 
yeah, I mean, it's hard when you look past that, but like, how can you do it in your day to day? It's, I think it does, you have to get buy-in from leadership. And that's why I say like the philosophical alignment and them understanding what you want to accomplish is so critical to that. And that's where you do need to partner with a demand gen marketer, someone who does like spreadsheets, because you can show your understanding as a content marketer, like people are engaging with this. Well, why? Because, you know, it's gated or it's this or it's that. You can create really good content and it's what the handcuffs are doing is keeping people from getting to that. So if you have a good demand gen marketer, someone that can run numbers with models, it's, well, we can use the same content, but instead of getting a cost per lead at $25, well, now it's going to be about $250. I know that's a lot more expensive, but if you look down at the cost per opportunity or the customer acquisition cost, it's actually less because people know who we are finally. They're talking to sales and it's not like, Justin, what do you do again? But it's like, oh yeah, Justin, I see your stuff all the time, man. Like, let's talk. I've already got this pain. I know exactly what you do. Like, let's get to the contract. It's a completely different conversation. So that's where, when you can show the downstream effect to it, that's the other half of the executive where if they're smart, they should only care about the bottom line at the end of the day. Like, how are we growing? How are we profitable as a company? They've just been so ingrained in this predictable revenue model, marketing to drive leads. It's like, well, we kind of know better than that now and what is more efficient and effective and I can prove it to you. So would you be willing to have less leads if it means more customers? And then you, I mean, if they answer otherwise, you, that's a different problem to be having there. You might want to go start looking for a job because that company's not going to be around in a few years. But that's the way where it's like you can partner really well with with some of your other marketing colleagues to help come up with like, how how do we approach this shift internally? Yeah, it's, it's so funny. So much of um, being able to be the advocate within your company is doing really, really strong internal marketing especially when you're trying to, yeah, like you said, find that demand gen manager, find that other person from an, another team that you can tag to. I used to do this all the time. It's like, all right, we're going to buddy up on this project. Like, what can, mm-hmm. how can we go present this thing? I've done multiple times in my career is like me and one other person. We're going to, we're going to present to you what we're seeing. You yeah. Know? Oh. That way it's not just like the solo Justin's thinking, you know, thinks he's got a great idea. Let me go run up the flagpole. <laughs> it's like a little bit more, a little bit more. Watch it die in the so, next rung up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 A thousand percent. So I'm interested. We've talked a little bit about in terms of like getting the executive buy in, thinking long term. OK, let's just say everybody is bought in or, you know, needs just that little bit of nudge. How can marketers, how can content marketers prove that value there? I mean, I I love the conversation. I love saying, hey, like, how did you buy? But at the end of the day, like, what should we be looking at? Is there a spreadsheet I can build that is somewhat decent to be able to show somebody where I'm like more than just the screenshots from LinkedIn or something? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I don't know if you know, most marketers' superpowers making numbers tell whatever they want it to tell. So... (laughs) Totally joking. And storytelling. Yeah. Is that storytelling? Yeah, That's exactly. a great uh, yeah. um, separate storytelling, <laughs> internal storytelling. Kidding, but no, it's you know you have your leading indicators, you have your business results. So more often, like you were talking about this earlier, but it's like most people are just looking at website visits or, or MQL lead form, lead submissions, things like that. So one of the leading indicators it is website visits, but it's not from the ad clicks. It's not from those like lead gen forms. I would be looking at your direct traffic. I would be looking at your branded organic visits. And I'm not looking at that daily. I'm not looking at that weekly. I'm not looking at that monthly. I'm looking at it quarterly because if you're properly building awareness, if you're properly building your expertise within the market and people are starting to trust you, they're going to remember your brand. They're going to choose to come to your site when they want to learn more, when they want to research, when they start to go about doing that. So 
that's one of the leading indicators is look quarter over quarter because that's it's the brand recall. It's getting you on that list of, oh, yeah, I know that I'm going to need help with my brand strategy. I'm going to need help with this or that. And they they come to you versus you hoping that you catch them when they're actively evaluating, which they already have their list of people that they've got in mind. So good luck fighting into that one. So that's a big one. Next one before we get into business results is just social engagement. So depending on where you share it, you know, website, if it is like it's a blog post, a video, something you have on site, but more companies are starting to embrace sharing either on their company profile, having individual team members share, post, create their own content. And so what are you seeing in terms of likes, comments, shares? And even um, when you get into the sales process, like you'll start hearing someone shared this with us in our Slack channel or, or things like that. So those will come up a little bit more often than not. So hopefully that gets you past like, well, how many visits do we have? What's our average time on page? What's our bounce rate? It's like, yeah, there's so many things that influence those that are not related to you that I wouldn't get too caught up in. So you have those at like the top of the funnel, but even once they get into the sales funnel, that's when you can start to really dig in because if you've done this properly, this isn't you forcing them through the sales process. Like they want to do business with you. So you're going to start seeing more inbound hand raisers. And so this is like inbound meaning they came to the website, they chose, hey, I want to sign up for you. I want to talk to sales versus seeing like that lead gen form like that. I don't really consider that inbound. Like that's kind of this murky middle ground where it's, I mean, look at the conversion rates compare. That's a whole conversation in and of itself. But I would look at those demo signups from, again, direct organic brand search, things like that. And then get into some of the anecdotal stuff. So how are they saying they learned about you? I like to triangulate this. Attribution is a huge storm in and of itself. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole today. I triangulate it. So you have your platform attribution, which is just your base, like direct, organic, outbound, event, whatever it was. That's a good input. Just like where were they? How did they finally convert? Self-reported attribution. If people have heard Chris Walker, the fine lab spiel, you know, that's on your form or something. You're asking how they heard about us. A third one is uh, sales discovery. So I have our sales team. They they spend five times just talking about like, what was your process to getting here? What are you trying to solve for? And usually that's where you'll hear things like you all came up in our Slack conversation. I talked to my peer over here, any number of things. And then the more sophisticated organizations, if you have something like Gong, here's another touch point, like add Gong keywords in for the entire sales process and more things might come out. So again, what we're trying to do is just aggregate like as many data points as we can to understand what is and isn't helping to drive successful customers versus what should get credit for. It's like, I don't care at the end of the day. I just want to know like what's more and less influential. So Get all those and then start looking. Those that convert to qualified opportunities, those that look to customers, like what do they have in common? Does podcasts show up more or less? Does this giant report that you created show up more or less? And that's how you can start to figure out what content is or isn't helpful as part of the journey. And again, there's always going to be caveats in there. Like not everything's always going to come up, but it gives you directional insight to better orient, like where should we be spending more or less time on, on different things that we're making? Love it. Love it. Yeah. Dang, that's terrific, Sam. I think... For me, it is that it's almost zooming out. So when I when I did SEO for years, it just makes me think of this. Like when I started doing SEO, I wanted to get in there every day and I wanted to see what the heck was going on and I wanted to see where the movement was and I drove myself crazy. And I used to make the analogy of like SEO is like the stock market. Like you actually just want to zoom out. And I feel like it's very, very similar to what you just said. Like if you look at the market at any given day, you're going to see ups and downs. But if you zoom out far enough and can you see that trend line of growth over time, you're like, oh, that was, we're doing pretty good here. And I think that quarterly expansion, I love that idea. Like 
maybe for other people, it's not uh, monumental, but I think for me, it's like, that's a really interesting way. Cause I think for most people it's monthly or it's every week at the end of the week, I'm going to you know go in and check and send an update or something like that. But it actually is like sometimes misleading and gives you the wrong impression of things you can do. I mean, I even saw this with a client that I was working with just on some social stuff where it was like growth, growth, growth in the spring, summer hits, downward, downward. And it's like, what did we do? What's wrong? Fall hits, biggest month ever. Yep. And it's like, oh, that quarter was pretty good. <laughs> yep. That was that was a story of our Q3. Like July, we dropped. We were on this great trend line up and then just boom, splat. I mean, we, we still did okay, but like compared to like when you're used to this growth curve and then you're just like, <laughs> what happened? What did we do? And so, yeah, normally, and even I myself, I was just like, crap, what do we need to do? We need to fix this. We need to get on top of it. And I was like, same kind of conversation. What happened at this time last year? Anything that I should be aware of? What's changed with the market? What are we hearing from customers? What are you seeing economically just at a, at a macro level? And then yeah, fast forward two more months and Q3 was our best quarter ever. July was in that quarter. So it's like, that's where you just need to look. You're playing the long game again. And if you get too reactionary, you might dig a deeper hole or you're reacting to something that's not really a variable that you're causing. But again, just, hey, it's July. It's 4th of July, summer holiday. Want to take the kids on vacation. I don't want to spend time in front of my computer. I want to get outside and enjoy it. So it's like, there's all these different things that come into play. So it's like having the historical and just playing, giving yourself a little bit more space will work wonders for both <laughs> your mental attitude and your performance. I mean, it's so funny. It's so easy to get tunnel vision and to like not think of everybody you're selling to as an actual human being. And like, do I ever want to buy anything work-related the beginning of July? Am I even like remotely thinking? And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm not. Like you said, I'm busy trying to figure out like, where am I going on vacation? What are we going to do? Oh, I got, you know, 30, 14 days till <laughs> whatever, right? Like I'm not, I'm not worried about buying software or have, following up on calls or whatever, even if I'm interested. And I mean, the same thing is about, you know, we'll see when this episode drops, but the same thing is about to happen at the end of the Q4, right? Like you're going to have this spike depending on industry for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's like Thanksgiving hits here in the US and it's like, all right, I'm done. Yep. <laughs> I got to wrap up this Summer's year and, and move on. Yeah. I got to, I got to, I got to wrap up and, and, and try to figure out what my gym plan is for uh, January 1. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm curious, moving on a little bit, like I love the frameworks. I'd love to even get a little bit more tactical into what you're doing at Loxo. How are you thinking about content strategy? How are you guys thinking about the content you're creating? And then what are some of the things that you all are doing that you've seen successful? Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, we're having fun with it. That's the best. I've seen some of your stuff lately. It's cool. Yeah. We're having <laughs> a lot of fun with it. I have a little teaser at the end of this all. I'll get to in a sec. But so, yeah, I mean, one, we're having fun with it. And where that's coming from is we are finding the middle ground between what's that like that old Henry Ford quote. If I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Like he built a car and said a little bit different. Because we are creating a category in the sense that we're in the recruitment space. Our product features are full-fledged tools, categories that other competitors have. So as you merge all of that, we're creating like the talent intelligence platform. Like that's not really a thing in the larger market yet. So that's what we're working towards. So how do you bridge like that Henry Ford mentality, but also showing up and speaking in ways that can help them bridge the gap from old to new to not feeling like I have to buy something else or, or do anything there. So the overall strategy with it is it's rooted in, okay, how do we educate 
How do we entertain and how can we be a leading voice, not just for our platform, because there's plenty of companies that do that, but for empowering recruiters in their role. And so what I first thought of when I came over here was think about what HubSpot did for marketers 15 years ago. It was like, they were the place to learn. I want to learn content marketing. Boom, ebook. I want to learn demand gen marketing. Boom, ebook. Ebooks were great at the time. I remember printing out PDFs. 500 PDFs from HubSpot. You don't want to see. I had this like three inch binder that was just filled with it. And I look back, I mean, hey, that was phenomenal for me. I loved it. And I still remember to this day, like HubSpot, not for being a marketing automation platform, but like I wanted to learn marketing. Where do I go? I go to HubSpot. So in the recruiting space, there's there's no company that's doing that. You have a bunch of individual thought leaders. And so when I was thinking about, okay, we need to create this new category. There's no one that's really helping recruiters outside of their organizations or maybe professional communities, professional groups, things like that. How can we wrap all that into one? So that's kind of like our brand demand content strategy all comes together. I mean, it's your marketing strategy. At the end of the day, these are all inputs. So from the content side of that, what that has led us to doing is we have a podcast that we play at the category level. And it's honestly, it's not even like category. It's like the industry level. It's like our tagline is like we're fixing recruitment by going beyond saying what needs to change instead of teaching you like how to make that change. So there's plenty of people saying like recruitment sucks. Write a better email. It's like, okay, cool. How? How do I do that? What do I do to get that result? So it's teaching recruiters. What can we do to help them be better in their day to day? Not saying go buy Loxo. Like you can do all these things with Loxo. You can do all these things without Loxo. You can do it with any other tool that you want out there. But we want to be top of mind when they think of best practices, best recruiters possible. Loxo comes to mind. So that's one part of it. We have ads that are very different from what the the market expects. I mean, I'm sure scroll through scroll through LinkedIn, you're going to see a blue ad talking about getting like 1,200% ROI. Like they are all the exact same. It's comical at this point. A blue, I just get a blue ad. I love it. It's always a blue ad. It's always a blue ad. So <laughs> we we do different things. Like in our last campaign, we we totally had fun with like there's this whole juxtaposition like old way, new way. Where it's like old way of doing is this, new way of doing is this. It's like, well, how can we just like make that a little bit more fun and add in a little bit of nostalgia to it? So what we did is we took like, you know, the old now, that's what I call music CDs. So we took that. We're like, all right, let's go back to the 1980s for a sec. We created a campaign that was kind of around this, like stop recruiting. Like it's the 1980s. We made literally that album and we have ads that were just like, now that's what I call talent featuring 1980s hits. And then we even dropped, for anyone who's watching this, I've got this dope shirt. We made shirts with track lists on the back. And it's not just like the actual songs from the 80s, but we had fun making up the names to it. So it's like Boolean Gene. So Boolean searches is a big thing in recruiting. So we okay. had Boolean Gene by Michael Jackson. We had like <laughs> Another Day in Recruiter's Paradise by Phil Collins. F-I-L-L, like you're recruiting. Like Loxanne was another one. So just total things that like People laugh at, they notice it because there's that little bit of recognition from the other thing, but then it ties, it's very relevant to what they do in their day to day. So it's that like tongue in cheek kind of, there's people behind this, but they also get what I do. So it's it's that one-two punch there. So we do fun things like that, but then we also have fun by like, <laughs> we poke at industry truths with, with different like meme style videos. So we just did this one, it was like the Austin Powers when Scott meets Dr. Evil for the first time and we completely changed it. We were just like, this is what happens when you have another recruiting software AE trying to like sell you. And he's like, stop looking at me like I'm Frankenstein, just like chasing him around, trying to catch him and you have the recruiter running away. So it's these things that people feel. And again, it's like, I'm not trying to get the sale right now with you. I just want you to think about Loxo. What are we associated with? But also develop some type of relationship with us. And then we round that out on the back end. So once people have that, I mean, you can do retargeting, but just when they come back to the site, 
instead of coming up with those grandiose, increase your ROI by 1200%, we do a lot of showing versus telling with what we do. So it's really easy to say like, you know, you're going to do better. You're going to make more placements. You're going to make more hires, whatever. But a lot of people are like, prove it. I don't believe you. So we show just how easy it is to do it within the platform. So it's like we take these use cases or write a better email subject line, do this, do that. And we show it within our product. I know a lot of people are like, oh, we don't want competitors to see our UI or, or the magic. I'm like, none of that matters. We have a PLG offer. They can go sign up for an account right now if they really want to. Like, don't even worry about that. So when you can show people how easy it is to do things or or the, the end result that comes from it, and they're just like, oh, all I had to do is click two buttons and that happens right now. It takes me nine clicks. And with recruiters, that is a real thing. I was always like, they said, if you can reduce clicks, I'll be happy. I'm like, is a mark? I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. That's fine. But they're like, no, like literally our workflow is everything. So all of that, like those all add up. So that's where it all comes together. But you have to stop thinking like any one of these are more important than the other because people aren't going to care about our product if I haven't been able to create that relationship and want them to think about locks or anything. So it all comes full circle and you really in today's day and age, you do have to do a little bit of everything. It's not like one ebook like HubSpot used to do back in the day to like, I, I want to learn content marketing. Like you, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it's interesting. All, all of what you said makes me think like terrific first, uh, you know, 30 minutes of our conversation. All of it is irrelevant if you don't, man, if you're not maniacal about your audience and trying to like actually help them. Yeah. yeah. Because any startup can come up and replace your feature set. I mean, look at the classic MarTech graph of all the tools and all the things like you can find a tool to do it. When I used to work at TechSmith, Snagit and Kimmage's screen cap, there are a million screen capture software. There are a million video editors. There are a million, you know, uh, all these type of things. But there's a reason why you choose that one. There's a reason why you choose that company. And it's like what you said. It's those things when you understand the problem that those people are having, the pain and like really understand it and like truly empathize with them, not just like, oh, yeah, we know that this sucks, right? We know that, huh? Like, by the way, we sell software. No, when you actually feel that changes how you communicate to them, that changes how you market to them. And it, it literally changes the entire viewpoint of how you view customers versus a number on a spreadsheet. This is an actual customer who, again, going full circle you want the right customers. You want to provide value to these people so they renew. So they like, you know what I mean? It's not like I don't just need to hit a Q4 number and then, you know, oh God, everybody's churning. What do we do? Mm -hmm. You know, like there are ways to get around that, but it is that it's that big picture, like love of the customer yeah. and love of the, the problem that you're trying to solve. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's really easy to be a vendor. It's really hard to be a partner. So how do you get yourself into that ladder category? And that's the difference. Love it. Great. I think that's a perfect endpoint for where we're at. Yeah. Like be a be, man, be a partner, like whether you're doing content marketing, other marketing functions, leading a team, like how can you be a partner with your customers? Because <laughs> that's going to help shape and guide everything you do versus just, are we another vendor? Are we another company X? Yeah. <laughs> you know, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. That's so. the sad truth. Awesome, Sam. It was super fun to have you on. Uh, love jamming about this. I think there's, uh, you know, in my brain, I'm already like, oh, that's awesome. That's great. Hope everybody takes this away. I know there's been a lot of questions uh, kind of in, in this mini community that we have here of like things around measurement and marketing and testing and proving worth and proving value and all those things. So I think this was a, a great conversation. Love it. Thanks, man. Yeah, of course. Sweet. Awesome. Thanks, Sam. See ya.
All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Distribution First, and thank you for listening all the way through. I appreciate you so, so much. And I hope you're able to apply what you learned in this episode one way or another into your content strategy as well. Speaking of strategy, we have a lot of things going on this year that are gonna help you build your brand, 10X your content, and transform the way you do content marketing. Make sure to subscribe to the show and sign up for my newsletter at justinsimon.co so you don't miss a thing. I look forward to serving you in the next episode as well. And until then, take care and I'll see you next time.